I usually say that there's two issues with talent acquisition that needs to be understood. One is that it kind of works because people are getting recruited all over the place. But that doesn't mean it's optimized either for productivity or efficiency or anything else. Like it kind of works, which is why we're in the place that we are at right now. But everybody hates recruitment. Like hiring managers hate it. The candidates hate it. The recruiters hate it. No one likes the way that we're doing things, like in the traditional manner. So that's the issue. And add to that the complexity that become even harder to successfully recruit. Like it's, it's becoming harder across all verticals. Welcome to How We Hire, a podcast by Alva Labs with me, Linnea, licensed psychologist and head of people. This show is for all of you who hire or just find recruitment interesting. In every episode, I will speak with thought leaders from across the globe to learn from their experiences and best practices within hiring, building teams and growing organizations. Our guest on today's episode is Pat Shanbai. Pat is an experienced professional with over 10 years of diverse experience within talent acquisition. After working within the HR field for many years, he recently became the CEO and founder of Pipe Labs, a company that aims to revolutionize talent acquisition while maintaining operational and process control for hiring companies. Pat is passionate about sourcing top talent and building a new standard for talent acquisition. He is committed to sharing insights, best practices, and strategies to improve the recruitment process and create a more positive experience for all stakeholders. Welcome to How We Hire, Pat. Thank you so much, Lynette. That was a long intro. It was a long intro. But you've done a lot of stuff. Like those kind of intros, it's so hard to live up to it. Imposter syndrome is real. Like, do you people understand that I'm just making this shit up? Like, I don't know anything. You have to understand that. That's implied, right? But for the sake of of that, you can do your own intro by telling us a little bit about like yourself and about Pipe Labs, because I'm sure that some of our listeners don't know you or company that you founded. It would shock me if they knew about the company we founded because it's quite new and we're quite small still. So more or less like me and my co-founder, we were really frustrated like like where the service industry was in terms of recruitment. When we both were line managers previously, we couldn't like get access to the help and the insights that we needed to make sure that we improved our own work. So more or less like we don't believe in agency, we don't believe in embedded recruitment. We don't like those things are not solving the actual problem. For the actual issue. So it's our attempt of offering something else, something that's a bit more structured. We rely heavily on our framework, which is more or less a way to break down the different processes that are in place in connection to recruitment. And honestly, just trying to offer a service that actually starts nagging at the problem or rather than dealing with the symptoms of the problem, which mm-hmm. is what we feel that a lot of like traditional recruitment agencies do. They're not Treating the actual issue, they're dealing with the symptoms. What is the actual with issue? The actual issue, and, and that's like the hard part. I, I usually say that there's two issues with talent acquisition that needs to be understood. One is that it kind of works because people are getting recruited all over the place. But that doesn't mean it's optimized either for productivity or efficiency or anything else. Like it kind of works, which is why we're in the place that we are at right now. But everybody hates recruitment. Like hiring managers hate it. The candidates hate it. The recruiters hate it. No one likes the way that we're doing things, like in the traditional manner. So that's the issue. And add to that the complexity that become even harder to successfully recruit. Like it's, it's becoming harder across all verticals. And this is our attempt of doing something about it. And why is it becoming harder? 
we believe that there's several coinciding, partially like societal change, uh, changes in the workforce, changes in our everyday life that puts a stress on finding top talent. We're coming into a situation where even like the traditional easy to recruit roles are really hard to recruit for. And why is that? Well, several reasons. And we do believe that like the changes in, in the workforce, the changes in demands when it comes to the kind of complexities that everybody needs to deal with in their work life, they coincide. But the end result is it's hard. It's harder than it ever were. I mean, sure, it wasn't that long ago. You can could just post an ad, push it, see who applies, and then make your best guesswork in actually solving your, your recruitment needs. What we see today is that a lot of our clients or a lot of companies, they're failing in the basic attempt of actually filling the roles that they need to be able to be productive and be competitive in the marketplace. So they rely on either expensive solutions as such like consultants, or they just won't solve what they need to be able to either develop or continue on being competitive in the marketplace. And, and it's so complex. Like This is what we do. We're like This is what I spend all my days thinking about and working with. And I don't know. I don't know why. But I do know. I can see the effect. It's really hard. Hiring is really hard. And it's becoming harder. But I think it's interesting with the fact that changes in the workforce is driving this like more difficult scenario. What changes? This is like a really westernized take on it. I mean, we're based in Sweden. We do most of our jobs in the Nordics, even though we're starting to branch out. Just the fact that we have an aging workforce, we're not really replacing people in the traditional professions. While at the same time, we have this enormous pressure when it comes to digitalization, when it comes to technology, and we're not producing enough people to meet that demand. There's something about all of this that just makes it so hard because a lot of companies can't find the people that they need. I saw, uh, I think it was maybe uh, some sort of CEO at some sort of company that put it really distinctly. Like he can't hire a garbage man, garbage truck driver, but he can find a newly grad MBA directly. Where I come from, like when I started out in recruitment, it was more or less like software developers. That was where it was really, really hard finding them. And maybe a bit of exec search, but software developers, that was where that. And right now we're helping the clients to go across all verticals because they can't find the right people to solve their needs. And like, I mean, because I re- really agree with the fact that like recruitment is broken and the way that we used to do it isn't working. But I mean, listening to you now is... Is it actually recruitment that's broken or is it just like the full HR cycle? I'm going to make so many friends now. I believe it's the full HR cycle. As I mentioned previously, I usually have two things that I say when it comes to TA. Like one problem is that it kind of works and the other is that it's sprung from HR. I think that is directly counterproductive to what we want to achieve. I personally believe that uh, the full HR cycle is broken or maybe broken is too harsh a word. It hasn't kept up with the times. It hasn't kept up with the changes. It hasn't really matured into the kind of function that it needs to be to be able to solve the kind of issues that people are having. That makes sense. Yeah. So if you were an HR manager, what would you do differently? Million dollar question. Oh, it's such a platitude. Like, honestly, it is. But people are people. 
And I think that kind of like needs to be the basis on how you organize and how you design stuff. I think it's so common within HRTA that it's easy to say the nice stuff, the nice words, the nice way of doing it, and then you need to actually apply it. And then you're directly in that really harsh position where you need to be a representative for a company without feelings. No, you're not a family. Yes, you can get fired and yada, yada. But you need to do it towards people and you're trying to maximize the output of people ops. And it's hard. It's really hard. I mean, I, if I had an answer to that question, Linnea, I would be a very rich man and I'm not, so I don't have it. Well, call me when but, you do. Yeah, <laughs> I will. I will tell you directly. Oh yeah, it's really easy. This is just the answer. Just do that. Ta-da! Uh, but okay, okay. So we have but, established that like <laughs> it's the way that we hire, it doesn't really work. That is also linked to that like, we're not maybe optimizing for the people that we do have in the organization that has created like solutions such as like consultancies and that makes it, you know, even more expensive, et cetera, et cetera. So downward spiral. So how yeah. will you and Pipe Labs revolutionize this? Like what's your goal and what's your tactics? So for us, it was a really important realization that the kind of complexities that we are speaking about is just getting more and more complex. We don't believe that the best way of solving that is go to a three-year educated generalist and then put them in a position that is really complex because you need such a wide set of skills to be able to properly deliver something that isn't bad. So on our end, we spent a lot of time doing in the early stages of the company was trying to actually map out the kind of different processes that has some sort of effect on the recruitment and hiring process. We came up with, I think we have like 29 sub processes that's defined and explained and yada, yada. No one cares about that, especially not new clients. Like 29? Oh, please tell me about those. That is not how it works. In detail. So we made sure that we could, in detail, with lots of words, please. <laughs> slides. Oh yeah, definitely slides. Let's do the slides. So we have them mapped out. But we understood that, like, nobody keeps... Uh, can you swear on this podcast? Yeah, 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 for sure. Swear. Uh, okay, good. I just, you know, I'm quite the swear one. Like, nobody would care about the, like, the 29 different processes. We need to understand them because that's how we can move in and start affecting change by understanding the kind of things that actually affect the hiring process, right? So we abstracted it to start being able to communicate about it. So we have everything connected to engaging relevant candidates. We call that pipelining. So that could be anything from uh, copy and employee branding and sourcing and talent pools and talent intelligence, like everything that is connected to being able to engage relevant candidates. And the other part is, we call it selection. It's about choosing the right hire. So everything connected to the assessment process, be it tests or DNI or bias or whatever it might be, but connected to actually choosing the right person for the job after we engage the relevant candidates. And then we have the third part, which is about maintaining process and cost control. Because what we see is that there's so few companies that has actual control, not only over the hiring process, but also the costs in connection to that. We're working with one client and then we mapped out and we realized that they have at any given time about 20 consultants in their, in this case, their software development team. That is due to the fact that they haven't been able to hire the right people. That's an insane cost. And it's just ongoing. It's ongoing. It's like they could be employees, but they're not. It's just an enormous cost, which, of course, is directly connected to bottom line. Because if you alleviate those costs, 
your profit margin, your systems are going to go up. But there's such a lack of actual process and cost control. There's unfortunately a quite low understanding of all the costs in connection to recruitment. Like it, it isn't the ATS system and the cost for an external agency. When you put it all together, the costs are insanely high. So how can you maintain or start getting control over that? That's like the third part. So that's what we do. We have these processes mapped out it's in too much detail for anybody else to be uh, bothered with. But on our end, it affords us having a really clear tool set for analysis. So we can move into, I'd say, any type of organization across any vertical. Because no matter if you're going to hire one CTO or 10,000 engineers, you need to engage relevant candidates, you need to select the right hire and you need to maintain process and cost control. So we can have that analysis framework that is applicable for any client. And that also affords us like starting to break up the process, start to understand what's working, what's not, maybe engaging specialists when needed within different sub-processes, which also affords us a level of understanding of like, yeah, okay, this is probably the actual pain point. What you see or feel is that you're not getting enough candidates or your attrition rate is too high or whatever it might be. But start to understand why that is the case. I think that is probably the most effective part about Pipe Labs. But I mean, I think given that you do interact with a lot of clients, have thought about this for some years, where do most organizations A, succeed and B, fail? They believe that someone else gives a flying fuck about their company, which isn't true. Like that is probably the most important and powerful understanding that anybody can get. And it's really hard to explain to the board of directors or the CEO or the investors or whoever it might be. Like other people don't care about your company. You do. They don't. And understanding that is such a base. It's the starting part, right? Because then you understand that, oh my God, I need to get the word out there, who I am. I need to be attractive. What is attractive? Do Who do I need to recruit? Oh my God, they're not going to come to me. I need to go to them. And suddenly like a lot of things fall into place. But that I would say is the main thing that people need to understand that nobody cares about you mm -hmm. and your company. If we're going to translate that into the everyday life of a talent acquisition manager, that would, in my mind, mean that you won't get budget for employer branding. No one will help you like get the word out. You won't have spokespeople from like the right people. So rather like you have to, I don't know, make something up that might work, but doesn't really work. And therefore you struggle. And then people will experience the lack of qualified candidates. So then that's the problem, but they don't see like the, yeah. why that is the problem. Was that a good translation? I'd say so. At least that's what I, what I am really Most companies aren't Spotify and that's fine. That's okay. But you're not going to get these heaps of applications because you're the cool new un unicorn startup, which means that you in, in a role such as a decision manager, you need to be really, really considerate and you need to be really, really thoughtful when it comes to understanding like, okay, maybe somebody else doesn't give a flying hoot about me. What can I do? to convey that we're actually a really attractive place to be working for. And how can I get that message to the right people at the right time in such a way that it makes it easy for them to click the apply button or show interest or mm. partake in your internal culture or whatever it might be. Like a podcast such as this, I'm not sure like why you're doing it or what the end goal, if it's a marketing thing or whatever, but people hearing you speak about the way that you 
do HR at Alva. That's going to mean something for people. They're going to go like, oh, this seems nice. This seems good or bad, which is also fine. Like going like, yeah, I don't want to work in a company like that. Okay, fine, don't. But getting that message across in different channels and being really thoughtful about doing things in such a way that it leads to some actual end results. And all of that is based on what I believe. Like you should do everything from a position of nobody cares because that means that you're going to have to try and understand what would their interest be rather than I have a cool logo. Yeah, no, I think that's a really epic take-home message. No one gives a fuck. We are going to dive into the like bucket of sourcing because I know that's one of the areas where you have a lot of like both food for thought and strong opinions and uh, everything in between. First, since I am a big fan of positive reinforcement, I do want to follow up on my question of like, what do companies actually get right? It's unfortunately really easy to speak about what they're not getting right and not speaking about what they do get right. So one of the things that I'm constantly like impressed about is the people working in people ops. They really, about not giving a fuck, they really do give a fuck. So bringing that to the table, being that engaged, being that passionate, having that drive and that ambition of getting things right in such a way so that people actually enjoy it, it's such, it's an uphill battle. But I think that people in the widest terms are amazing at continuing, even though it's a slightly under prioritized part of the organization considered a cost rather than something that drives revenue and yet just continuing 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 and actually trying to make a positive change i'm getting to the point where i'm cynical so it's like oh, it doesn't really matter but seeing people having that drive and ambition kind of defeats that cynical take on things and i'm constantly impressed about like the level of engagement that people brings to the table within HR, even though in a lot of organizations, it's not that prioritized. Can't you exemplify what have you been impressed with lately? I think that, that diversity and inclusion is such an important topic, uh, not only in Sweden, but across the board. That's a really uphill battle, especially when it comes to explaining to the, the stereotypical white cis male CEO or investor how important it is. But I'm seeing such amazing like initiatives and people bringing insights to the table like that I could never have. And I'm really, really, really humble about knowing that like I'm a white cis male. I'm, I'm not going to understand how it is to be a woman in today's workforce as, as you are. But I'm really humble about me not understanding that. I'm just impressed that people continue to meet at the problem, even though there's such resistance. Makes sense? Yeah. Albright is still releasing a new report every year. They're not, not stopping. And I think that's anybody who works that hard in some sort of uphill battle, uh, adversity, uh, continue doing it. I'm just thoroughly impressed. I used to run track. I was a sprinter. So to some extent, the saying it's a marathon, not a sprint really doesn't work for me because, you know, I'm a sprinter. That's literally who I am. But with that said... <laughs> I think what you're saying is also like when we can just acknowledge that it is a marathon, not give up, but continue and get back yeah. on the horse and all those platitudes that actually will create a difference and will create results yeah. at the end. And people does it and still brings that energy to the table and goes like, okay, yeah, well, 
it's been shit this year. Let's do it again next year. Let's just continue it. I find that thing person. Maybe I don't have like a really concrete example for you or something. That I'm, but like doing that and what I'm seeing in the social medias, I just find that really inspiring. Okay, good. So now have we have positively reinforced the marathon. Yes. Uh, people ops people love that. Okay, so should we actually dive into sourcing? And before we do so, maybe sure. can you like let's define sourcing. What is it? That's the right kind of question, I would say, because it's a term used quite widely. But what is it? Of course, the shape of a thing is really dependent on how you define it. My definition of sourcing is that it's not writing in buzzword bingo and LinkedIn recruiter and sending shit emails to everybody who pinged when I wrote a couple of buzzwords. I absolutely hate that way of doing things. I find it boring. I think it's counterproductive. I think it's one of the reasons that recruitment has a really bad rap. I cannot for the life of me understand why people are doing it that way. Like it doesn't work. Well, going back to it, the worst part about it, it kind of works, right? Because they are getting in candidates. My response rate is 15%. Okay, 85% of people said, please do get out of my email. Like I don't want anything to do with you. And for me, that would be such an immense failure. But it's not considered. It's considered the norm. It's okay. Let's continue doing it. So that's one way of doing sourcing or one definition of sourcing. Writing in the buzzwords from the job description and then just sending out enough in mails so that you get enough responses so you have a candidate. Uh, the spray and pray method. The spray and pray method. Oh, so terrible. Getting it into your inbox, I don't know how many you, of which you get, but it's so terrible. Of course the candidates are not going to respond to it. It's, it's shit. It's horrible. Who would want to be approaching that way? I, I cannot for the life of me understand it. Another way of doing sourcing or thinking about sourcing is understanding the market. It's understanding the talent pool. It's understanding like, of course, there's loads of brilliant managers that are consistently going to hire and train people to be a better performer than in other places. And understanding that. What kind of companies are good? What kind of culture fosters growth? Which managers are the best at it? And yada, yada, yada. Actually understanding the market. Actually spending time trying to figure out, so you get a request, something that you have or haven't worked with before, but okay, what, what is it? What does it mean? How can we understand it? What sources of data can we pull into that to start figuring out what's what? And then going like, okay, then I have my list of people that I do believe would suit this role. And I'm genuinely curious to start having a conversation with them. Like proper sourcing is a constant learning process. And if you don't have that curiosity, you're not going to be as interesting to speak with. But if you do have that curiosity, people are going to respond to it. If you have an actual interest in what you seem to have done really interesting stuff in there, can you tell me about your biggest accomplishment? Can you speak about what makes you tick at work? Most people are going to respond to that, right? And it's such a much more interesting conversation to have rather than I see here that you have three years of JavaScript experience. Awesome. Will you come and be a JavaScript experience person over here? I think I just find it. I cannot for the life of me understand why people move into a position and doing something that they find thoroughly boring and then just keep on doing it. And that's what I'm seeing within a lot of person departments. What is the biggest mistake that they do? Being robotic. I've learned the process. Here's my long list of 300. Then I'm going to write the thing and I'm going to copy paste. So I'm going to use an automation tool or I'm going to use uh, ChatGPT to adapt my messaging or whatever it be. But that it's... It's just something that you do. It's not something that we think about. As soon as you start thinking about it and getting information from different sources, if you're, I don't know, 
uh, hiring an HR person, maybe listening to a podcast such as this, that's actually doing market research. But having that, yes, it's a process. This is how it is. Yes, not really thinking it through, just doing. I think mm. that's, I'm not sure if that makes sense as an answer to your question, but I, I believe that moving into a sourcing position as a junior, getting taught that this is how you do it, and then just doing it over and over and over and over again. That's why it's boring. Because it's not fun. You're not learning. Yeah. You're not connecting with people. You're not speaking to people. You're just trudging through a quite staccato-like process. I know we have yeah. like talked about this before, where you were quite bold in a statement where like there are in Sweden, 9 million people. I don't know how many recruiters, a lot of them, but like there might be, I'm quoting you now, three good sourcers, not sorcerers, because that's something different, but like three really good, what's the actual title here? Sorcerer. Three really good sorcerers. And the rest is, as you say, like have been taught a way to do it. And that has created a reality of what it should look like. That's not good. Do you want to uh, take back the quote or do you stand by it? I stand by it. I absolutely stand by it. Just to be really clear, that's not saying that I don't believe that there's loads of people that do good to great work every day. They're trying their best. They're using what they've been taught, trying to apply, trying to make sure that they can solve the kind of issues that they have as a hiring manager or, or applying something to a hiring manager. But there's always a big but, isn't there? Having that curiosity, like proper curiosity, really willing and interested in learning the kind of market, the kind of people, the kind of players that are in place. That's really, really few and far between. What comes to my mind is... I remember when I, back at university, when I studied to become a psychologist, there was this, um, one of our professors said that as a psychologist, like when you are in therapy with someone, you don't have to like all the people that you meet, but you do have to feel empathy for them. And sometimes it will take longer to feel that empathy, but as long as you like practice, like open, active listening and really have that curiosity, you will find something that will make you feel the empathy that you need to have um, to build like that therapeutic like bond. To me, this relates to what you're talking about. You have to look for what's interesting in that person because you will find something uh, to some extent. Does that make sense in your mind? Absolutely. I mean, it's such a platitude, but the lead it kind of boils down to you don't have to like or love everyone. If you didn't, that would be absolutely insane. So don't do that. But you need to be able to find something interesting. And you need to be able to have that, maybe not a therapist bond with the client, but being really open and curious. Like curiosity, I, I always come back to curiosity because like everything changes, market changes, market shifts. Suddenly there's a new tool called ChatGPT that turns everything on its head. Like the only thing that is certain is change, right? So if you don't have that innate curiosity of going like, oh, what is this? Can I play with it? What is it? Look at it, figure out what it is and how it works. I just think you're going to be left behind. So another quote of yours, uh, you're a quoting machine. Stop Sorry. quoting me. That's horrible. At least I'm letting Please you explain. react to it. So the quote right. is, if you find sourcing boring, you're probably doing it wrong. Can you explain what you meant? I really need to stop saying things. <laughs> no, you don't. It's <laughs> great. So that's my belief, like that curiosity, because if, if you're doing it right, you're going to find stuff that's interesting. You're going to learn something new, more or less constantly. So if you don't find that stimulating, get it a different job. 
if you have that, like, oh, these things are happening and I have some sort of interest in it, then sourcing is more or less like it's the perfect job because that's what you do. You need to learn stuff. Your job is to learn stuff. That's quite fun, I'd say. And sourcing is just that. It's finding out stuff. Then, yeah, you need to be able to contact people and you need to be able to get across some sort of messaging if it's uh, written or, or via the phone or wherever it might be to spark some sort of interest. And if you can't find that spark of joy, I'm quite sure that the person on the other side of that communication is going to feel it. You're going to have some sense of, oh, okay. So doing sourcing right is really fun. You can geek out, you can deep dive, you can have the wide, you can either like the extrovert in you, some sort of space to play because you're going to speak to people or you're going to get the introvert in you some space to play because you can really deep dive. So yeah, sourcing should be fun because if you're doing it right, it is. Okay, now the obvious follow-up question is how do you do it right? The way that we do it. There's tons of ways of doing it. I'm sure others are, that people are much smarter than me have figured out a different way of doing it that's better. But the way that we do it is that we put a lot of focus on the research part. So for many, if not most recruiters, what happens is that, okay, you have a, a, some sort of job description coming across your desk, and then you scan it, and then you go, okay, these are the important buzzwords for me. I'm going to directly type it into LinkedIn usually and just see what pops up. We do that much later in the process. We want to make sure that we understand the talent pools. We, uh, we have a lot of both internal and, and external tool sets starting to understand the market. What is the drivers? Which are the big players? Can we map out? Which are the companies? If we understand where the companies are, where, which groupings seem to produce uh, the high performers and just starting mapping out and more like, like a good sourcer is quite well-versed at Googling stuff, like mm. finding out information. So that's a key part. So we do that way before we ever look at a candidate because that's not conducted to that learning process of understanding something. So what's your top three Google questions when you get started? Oh, that's a hard thing to answer. That's so dependent on what it, what it is. It's easier to answer that by using some sort of sample. I'm just struggling with what I can say. So for example, uh, we're working with a large e-commerce company. We understood or we had that discussion with the client early on, like they're fully remote. Everything is asynchronically communicated. We understand that you can be fully remote and that's fine. So what we did is that we spent some time actually starting to map out like the different e-commerce platforms, the different e-commerce tool sets. Some of them would not be relevant because it's based on a different technological architecture. So we took all of those companies and put them to the side. But that gave us a list of, I don't remember how about them, like 80 companies. So then we know that everybody who works for those companies understand e-commerce. It's a technological platform that would be relevant for our client. And they're due to working fully remote. So those are like three keepers. That gives us some sort of list starting to break down. Most because they have a, a limit on like time zones. So it's two hours before, two hours after Sweden. Well, that gives us a geography, right? So what we have then is we have the kind of platform that if you have been working for those companies, you have been working with the correct set of tools sets and the tech stack and yada yada. We have a geography that defines where we can reach out to people. We have some sort of understanding of the client's actual offering, which is also kind of limits um, the kind of candidates that we would look at. 
and then we can start finding people. So after we've done that, after we've like learned all of these things around a specific market, a specific vertical, a specific client, then you can start looking at candidates. For us, it's all about like having, we call it secondary databases, which is more or less just going like, yeah, not only LinkedIn. What we else? need to move outside LinkedIn. Dependent, like in that case, we did a lot of sourcing uh, on Discord and Slack because it made sense for that time. But it can be anything. Clean industry, validation, yada, yada. Where are those people? Well, if you're engaged with that kind of profession, probably you're going to have to speak to others. So where does that take place? It can be a forum. It can be a meetup group. It can be a technological platform such as Slack, or it can be something else. But of course, you're going to have professionals that are curious about their own thing, wanting to speak to other professionals about it. And it's 2023, somewhere on the internet. That's a secondary database. It's like LinkedIn is awesome, but everybody's not on LinkedIn. And the usage rate is not that high. And a lot of people hate LinkedIn, and I understand that. Okay, so what are the, on which platform are they? So how can we make ourselves relevant? If we, we did another thing that was all about, it's about being where the candidates are at. Like what's the weirdest location you find a candidate in? I love a fair bit of guerrilla marketing because I think it's fun. So we did on bicycles, like the seat, the cover for the seat. We did that at a competitor's place and just went there. Are you looking for a new job? Please call us. Worked like a charm. Really? Oh, it was brilliant and it was so cheap in terms of cost per hire doing that instead of like writing a bunch of outreach. It worked like a charm. Protect, done... Protecting people's bums from getting wet will help yeah. you find your next hire. I think that's brilliant advice. But it can, it's all so dependent on the talent pool, right? We might have helped a client with like uh, riders last mile delivery. So think uh, Bolt or Fedora or something like that. It's really easy if you know the, the logistics centers to be standing a block away, just handing out leaflets. It's about being where the candidates are at and also like looking back to when is it fun? Well, it's when you start solving problems like that, right? It's much more fun going like, oh, how the hell are we going to make ourselves relevant for this talent pool? Let's go out. Let's do keeping people's bums from getting wet. Let's try that. Or did another thing where we hired people dressed in smokings and then they had to hand deliver a note going like, I want to meet you for a lunch, handwritten. Of course, they're going to accept that. Really hard to find candidates. It works like a charm. So when you start approaching the, the work as a problem to be creatively solved, rather than this quite non-dynamic process of just going a bit of Boolean search, and here's my email and hi, candidate, and you have a really interesting profile. I would like to speak to you and sending that out in volumes that is just insane because you're getting such a low response rate. So you need to send it to 600 mm. to get your one candidate at the end. Start to extrapolate from that. Sooner or later, everybody's going to have to contact everybody within all talent pools to get one higher because it's just going to, oh, I don't, I don't want to look in my inbox. It's just shit. But like the, the law of diminishing returns is a thing that even recruiters need to understand. So that's how we do it. Like we place a lot of focus on understanding before doing rather than going directly to the doing. And taking that time to understand stuff or doing research, it pays off so much in comparison to the, the other way of working. One thing I'm interested on, like your thoughts, where I don't have a quote, so I just want to create some quotes. Soft <laughs> skills and sourcing, go. Oh, that's hard. I don't think that you should ever 
like believe that sourcing or that way of working can do something that it can't. So if you're going like, yeah, I'm, 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 these soft skills are really important for that position. Yeah, well, I don't know because I don't know the person. And they haven't written it in their online CV or, or where I found them in the Discord channel, wherever it might be. Like sourcing can't solve that. And if you believe that you can solve it using sourcing, you're going to be led astray. I would say it's more or less like an impossibility to source based on soft skills. And if you believe that you are, I think you're fooling yourself. Unless someone has been an insane person and like writing it in that way. But I, like, no, I don't believe in it. Yeah, no, but I think that's a fair answer. Um, okay, so our time is starting to run out. So let's start to wrap up. I want to hear just some quick thoughts on key metrics that you think all talent acquisitions should be obsessing about. I have a boring answer. It's no okay. fun at all. It's okay. Response rate. Response rate is a really easy metric to understand if you're able to engage people. And what's a good response rate? What's my benchmark? 60% plus. That's high. It should be. If you've taken the time, if you've done everything that we spoke about, if you're taking your time doing the market research, understanding the companies, understanding the talent pool, trying to understand the candidate before you reach out, going like, yeah, linear, if you've done that and you can't get people to respond, rethink what you're doing. Good. I love it. Let's uh, aim for the store. 60% people. Let's quote Pat. <laughs> Stop quoting me. <laughs> okay. So a more applicable response rate, I'd say, is like, as soon as you dip down below 20%, stop. Like, obviously, you're not reaching the right people with the right messaging. But everybody's fighting for some sort of attention in people's inboxes, no matter if it's mail or, or in mails or whatever it might be. Mm. So you're not going to be able to engage everyone. Yeah. And that's fine. So going that high requires you to work in really small cohorts. So that means understanding these six or eight individuals before you reach out. Yeah. As soon as you do anything higher volume, top of funnel, you're not going to see those kind of response rates. I would, in that case, rather be very precise about when I drop below something. And I would say that 20, 25% is pretty good benchmark because if you're going below that, even at volume, something is wrong with mm -hmm. your messaging. Either yeah. your understanding of the talent pool or the messaging in itself. Yeah, but that's fair. One final question. What advice would you give to yourself when you just started out on your recruiter journey, knowing what you know now? Ooh, you're asking hard questions. You're quoting me and you're asking hard questions. Yeah. This is no fun, Linnea. Come no. on. No, it's not sourcing. <laughs> it's podcasting. I didn't promise fun. <laughs> what advice would I give myself starting out? Like in hindsight, I'm quite happy that what I did was really early on starting following and, and engaging with really good sources. For me, Glenn Cathy and Boolean Black Belt was incredibly important when I just started out. And I'm really happy about that now. Steer into your geekiness. That's an advice I got from a manager a while back. I'm quite geeky. I'm quite niche. I'm quite narrow in terms of my application. It's talent acquisition, which is a wide subject, but that's like what I obsess over. And I spent a long time going like, ooh, I'm not going to speak about it. And like, I'm going to do it on the side. Nobody's going to know it, know that I read the thing or engage with the stuff. And he told me like, yeah, just steer into it. It's fine. Like be that. Maybe that is something that I would have liked to have known and understood even earlier. Just I kind of hid my nerdiness. And there's no reason for it. Like steer into your geekiness. Boom. On that note, thank you so much for joining How We Hire. Let's make sure that we link 
or add a link in the description to the podcast Pipe Lab. So if you want to hear more about oh, sure. Pat, which you obviously want to, we can link that. But thank you so much, Pat. It's been a pleasure. And uh, thanks everyone for listening. I uh, hope you will join us next time. Bye.